1: Welcome to Move Your Mind, my name's Nick Brax and this is a podcast where we have real conversations with real people and give real advice. The balance between ambition and being present is a delicate dance that many individuals find themselves navigating in today's fast-paced world. Ambition drives us to set goals, to achieve milestones and to reach for new heights, which is undoubtedly a valuable trait. However, the pursuit of ambition can sometimes lead to a state of perpetual striving, where the focus shifts to the future and to the next achievement, leaving the present moment neglected. Being present, on the other hand, involves immersing yourself in the here and now, fully engaging in the current experience. It's about savouring life's small moments, cultivating mindfulness, and finding contentment in the present circumstances. The challenge arises when these two seemingly opposite forces intersect. Striking a balance between ambition and being present requires a mindful approach. It's about recognising that while ambition propels us forward, the journey itself is equally valuable. Being present doesn't mean giving up on goals. Rather, it involves infusing intention and awareness into each step taken towards those goals. Mindful ambition involves setting objectives, working diligently towards them, and yet maintaining an awareness of the present moment it's finding joy in the process and celebrating progress along the way the balance prevents burnout nurtures mental well-being and fosters a sense of fulfillment ultimately embracing both ambition and presence allows for a more holistic and enriched life by combining these two aspects individuals can pursue their ambitions with vigor while also cultivating a deeper connection to the richness of life as it unfolds in each moment today's guest discusses strategies in finding such a balance Lauren Barriani is a registered clinical counsellor with experience working with children, youth, and adults. She's the founder of Apricot Wellness. Lauren, thank you so much for making time on a Saturday to to jump on this podcast <laughs> and and have this chat. I actually mm-hmm. enjoy these ones more because often I'm recording, you know, two or three episodes during the week, and it's always mm-hmm. in between, you know, meetings and chasing your tail, and it's you know, you're sort of a bit flustered while you're trying to do it and you've got so many things. So I like it when I've just got nothing on for mm. the day and can just sit here and relax and have this conversation. So yeah, I'm glad we chose Saturday.
0: <laughs>
2: I I hear you. I'm, I'm one that looks for efficiency. So I will tend to try to fit in these really meaningful conversations or these things that I'm really looking forward to within my workday and then like you said you just feel flustered you feel like your attention is divided you're constantly watching the clock the saturday i wake up and i'm just here having a conversation with you that's a that's a that's a great thing and then it's sunny up so i get to go outside after and and just enjoy the rest of my day so yeah this is amazing
1: exactly and that it's really my constant um frustration or not frustration but thing that i'm trying to work out how to manage in life of, you know, being ambitious, wanting to do so many different things, wanting to work on myself, but, mm. you know, keep to find a way ways to be present. But, you know, there's always these two conflicting things because you want to do so many things and you're trying to build, um, you're trying to make change and that comes with a lot of hard work and a lot of moving parts. And that's what I always find difficult and I'm always so interested to try and learn from people how they manage that because it's something mm-hmm. that I just, do not know how to find balance with I don't have balance <laughs> in my life um so talking to you you know before we started this conversation mm-hmm. um it sounds like you're probably having to deal with a similar thing of running your own business the other work that you do how, is there a way that works for you to manage uh you know all these moving parts
2: yeah it's a lot um we were yeah we were talking before busy busy lives you you as well um The way, the most effective thing that I have implemented, because I was feeling very burnt out at the beginning, starting taking on this new, creating new business from the ground up takes a lot of energy uh, and working full time as a secondary school counselor in the process of that. Yeah, that's a lot to juggle. And I was burning out very, very quickly. I find both work very, very meaningful and I didn't want to give up either. So I was left with, well, how do I make myself more effective how do i make myself more efficient and what i found was it wasn't necessarily um cutting back but it was more when i'm doing one thing doing it fully and doing it presently and when i'm doing my other thing doing it fully and doing it presently and no overlap so for instance if i'm yeah. at work and i'm a secondary school counselor i am not checking my email i am not following up on text message i'm not checking my voice fail for my for my business. And I'm also not um, doing anything in my personal life. I am only doing my work. And when I have my lunch break, you better believe I am not doing anything related to my work. I'm going and having conversations with my colleagues that are not about work. Well, okay, sometimes it is, but most of the time it's about our personal lives or connecting. Um, And then after work, when I'm with my family, I'm just I'm trying to be just with my family. And in that way, I feel like I am able to feel the balance that I'm trying to implement in my life. Whereas before my mind was always off in other things. When I'm eating dinner, I'm thinking about all of the emails that I have to get back to when I'm sitting in a meeting, I'm thinking about my session um, that I'm Mm -hmm. going to have in the evening. And that was that I found is what was so draining, not being able to have boundaries around the tasks that I was doing currently.
1: It's a great answer. And I I think it's an interesting thing. And what I'm interested to ask you, and I think I probably know the answer, but the, you know, we feel like when we don't give ourselves that opportunity to be present and we're just constantly thinking about everything all at once and, you know, mm-hmm. replying to emails while doing another task, we feel like we're being more productive. And it's like a control thing. And and that's probably from my perspective, again, what I struggle with, you know, to this day, whenever I'm, if I if I do allow myself to fully immerse in different things, there's this fear of I'm going to lose control and my business will fall behind because I'm not going to be thinking about it and on top of things. But mm-hmm. I think the actual reality is not not the same. Have you noticed that when you've done that, there's been any decline in in productivity or on the other side of you saying that it's actually improved, you know, how much how productive you've been?
2: It's improved it. <laughs> and, and same thing. The reason why I had my mind in all of these different tests, it, it's this um almost like this false comf- comfort of, okay, I'm thinking about the thing, therefore it's not going to fall apart. Um, and as we know, thinking about something is not the same as doing it. So My mind is full of things that are meaningful, um, but I'm not doing anything about it. I am not getting back to that email. I'm not having that conversation. I'm not researching that thing. I'm only thinking about doing it. And that's only taking me away from this other meaningful thing that I'm doing. Um, So then when I go to bed, I go, "Oh, oh, what did I even do today? I felt like I was on pilot mode. I felt like every day was the same day and I wasn't quite grounded in anything that I was doing, and I felt like I was losing a lot of my time, especially the time with my family, and that has been paramount in this shift, in this new, um, taking on so many different new roles. One thing I told myself I would not lose is that time with my family, and I felt like I was doing that, not that I wasn't getting that time I was physically present, but maybe mentally and emotionally not as much. Um, And so as soon as I made that shift, and I was present in all of those moments, I felt okay. And I didn't feel guilty when I did have to go and do work, because I got that quality time. Mm. And I knew that I was engaging. So then I gave myself permission, when I was doing these other more business oriented or school oriented tasks, I didn't feel guilty. And I didn't have to because I had spent all of that quality time already.
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's such a great point. And and it really comes down to quality over quantity. And we, mm-hmm. I, I think it's another thing that we're conditioned. You know, the, it's a, it's a real negative of the society, the world we live in, where it's all about productivity, consumerism, capitalism, mm-hmm. achievement, what's next. We've got to chase our tail, compete with, you know, what other people are doing. Even if we are doing something that we feel happy with, we can find ways to put ourselves down because we'll look at social media and compare to what other people are doing and think, you know. It's literally never ending. It's a um, a treadmill that you can't get off and you will not find peace with it unless you take that control like what you've done yourself. So it's just something that uh, we, yeah, I think the only way that we can really take control of these things is by being personally accountable and making those steps. Because if we wait for the right way or the right situation, it just won't happen. It'll probably get worse because we're just, you know, the world's getting more and more chaotic and crazy.
2: You got it. And and for for many of us, um, you have to put in more effort and just the hardship financially, economically, like you get so much less. And so it makes sense that we go, I just have to work harder. I have to work harder. I have to get more, especially like you said, when we're when we're in this little social bubble of, we'll look at everyone else going on the vacations and looking at everyone else going on these amazing adventures or having this amazing job. And how are they affording that when I put in all of this extra effort and, and I can't, um, when we're so result oriented rather than, well, what is everything we're not seeing? And I've talked about this before about Mm. what is all of the stuff that led to that. We don't see that, and we don't know how hard that person worked. We don't know how long that person worked for. We don't know um, all of the mistakes or failures or times that it didn't work out. Uh, we only see that one picture, that one video, that one podcast where it all came together um, mm-hmm. and it worked out, and not the thousands and millions that what whatever it is that didn't, um, and that can be very. Uh, difficult um, people lose their motivation because they're thinking, well, it's just not happening. I'm just not meant yep. for this because I did it one time and it didn't work out or I did it again and it didn't work out. I did it 10 times and it didn't work out. Well, let's times that by 10, um, and see where you are. So it's, yeah, you got it. It can be so, so d- deterring to to try to even find ways to make this burnout more manageable as well. I'm never going to get there.
0: It's
1: just
2: not meant for me.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and it's and it's really also reframing how we look at things. It's we've got that mindset and, you know, we often lack that resilience where people, you know, will try a couple of times and they're frustrated because, you know, they're thinking, well, what about what, you know, comparing to other people and they don't want to, you know, stick at it. But it's also reframing it to look at, well, why, why am I actually doing this? Why don't I focus on the process and doing something that I genuinely care about? And if, and when the results come, that's great, but I'm actually doing it for a deeper reason. And, you know, that's, what's going to get you out of bed every day. Cause if you're just doing things to rely on, I just want the end result. That's so fleeting. Even when you get it, you might feel good for like a day and then you're moving on to, you know, what's next. So there's so many levels to this. And it's, again, we, we just don't get taught, you know, we don't get taught about how to understand ourselves, about emotional mm. well-being, about how to have that self-awareness, how to how create the right values, how to understand what our values are, how to work out what our purpose is. And so I don't think it's anyone's fault, but it's mm-hmm. just, you know, it's like a sickness that the world has where it's kind of crazy that um, so much of us, so many of us are just stuck in that loop.
2: Yeah, stuck in a loop. That's a really great way to put it. And that loop, you know, is aggravated by like that societal conversation that's going on around us by um, familial family dynamics that are going on. The pressure's there that also might be external. And also internally, some of us take on those voices that we've heard and then put on those demands for ourselves as to, I've got to get better or I have to do this thing. This is the path for me because this is what makes the most sense. I have to get that um, specific type of job or that specific type of title. And I have to do it within X amount of years in order to define me as a successful person. And the the tricky part is most of those conversations we have with ourselves do not include how happy am I going to feel in the process of this? not yes. even in just the result. Because yeah, of course, if I go and I go get in my doctorate and become like some psychiatrist, some psychologist, you bet I'm going to be happy and proud. But how am I going to feel in the process of that? Is that really the, the courses that I have to take, the experiences I'm going to have to have, the people I'm going to meet are those things that are going to be um, aligned with my values, aligned with who I want to become. And if it's not Am I going to be willing to stop and turn and figure out what about this do I like? What about us? What about this do I not like? Is this me feeling burnout? Is this me, you know, for another reason, feeling kind of stuck? It's really hard to talk about success the way we do it now because we are so goal oriented, result oriented, and we don't think about all of those steps that it takes to get there and whether we're willing to enjoy that. Are we going to enjoy It's going to be meaningful. Or are we just there to get to the end?
1: Oh yeah. No, it's such a, I think we could talk about this topic all day because it's just yeah. such a, it's so relevant and, and yeah, it is a crazy thing because if we're all, all life is is a set of processes and what we're doing every day. So like you're saying, even if you do get that end result, that feels good. If you look back on your life and you realize, oh, but I spent 10 years or 20 years doing something that made me miserable every day. Well, that's the most valuable thing times mm. the most valuable resource that we have. So it's just so important that we are able to find ways to do that. And and also on that comparison issue, the people we're often comparing ourselves to, like you were saying earlier, it's that grass is always greener sort of thing where we it looks all nice and amazing to us, but they've got their own issues. They're going through their own, you know, there's no, and there's no perfect scenario. Every, everything comes with a positive and a negative. So it's finding what's perfect for you and what works, you know, in your own life.
2: Yeah. And that's just it. And I don't mean to say that um, everything has to be rainbow and sunshine. That's not what I mean at all. Like at the end of the day, it takes a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of different emotions to, to feel success. And I think what I mean is that if you're going to go, for instance, let's take, um, like, if you're going to become a doctor, why? Why that? Why that specific job? Um, Because yes, you might be proud when you get that. But what about 10 years from, from then or 20 years from then? Because this is a path that takes a lot of commitment. Is this the one that you chose for yourself? Is this maybe someone else's choice? Not that it wouldn't be a very incredible path to take but doesn't make sense for you because once you reach that end result um it's very tricky to our mind likes to make these milestones or these very concrete things that happen and at the end of the day well yeah you you do that but then what comes next is there's all it's it's we're always going on right so after you get that thing that you think that you want what about 10 years from now? Are you still going to be happy with the road that you chose? What about 20 years from now? No one, and we don't know, we don't have all the answers, but we can feel, and that's why I mean, like looking at the process, looking at that progress in between, not just the end result of how do I feel today about taking that first step forward, about moving down that path.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, a simple way to look at, to remind yourself is thinking, well, if I was on my deathbed and looking back at my life, what are the things I'm actually going to care about and that are important Mm -hmm. to me and that are meaningful and it's going to strip away all of the crap and you can see it more clearly to, okay, you know, well maybe these things that I'm worrying about because I feel like I'm not enough or I'm trying to prove myself or I need acceptance from other people or I need to outdo some, you know, whatever it is, they'll sort of, you know, wilter away because you'll be able to just see it so much more clearly. So it's, yeah, definitely not an easy thing to do, but an important process to get in the habit of doing. So yeah, anyway, yeah, um, love all these topics. So I I want to, for our audience to understand more about you, can you give a bit of a, a background on yourself and mm-hmm. you know what you do and how you came to be doing what you're doing now and the direction you're moving forward in?
2: Yeah, so, um, talk about looking at your path and making sure it aligns. I um, I started my career, I went to university to become a teacher. And that decision felt almost like I had made it, but it had also felt like it was made for me. I grew up, my mom and dad were both teachers, so it made perfect sense that, that I become one. Um, my sister, on the other hand, had the complete opposite reaction of anything but a teacher, right? Like, find myself. Um, and it felt like a safe, secure, comfortable decision, at first. So yes, this makes a lot of sense. Um, and then I completed it and it felt it felt okay. It felt good. I love working with children. It just didn't feel like it was aligned with what I was, was wanting to spend my time doing, what I wanted to give the world. I know some amazing, incredible teachers. Um, and I felt like I wasn't one of those and not for a lack of trying. Um, it just wasn't in me to give. There was something just missing. And so I thought, well, for myself and for these students, I think I've got to figure out, figure this out. Um, Also in my personal life, when I was in high school, I went through a fairly traumatic event and we had school counselors, but I think we weren't having the conversations about mental health that we're having today. And I thought, well, if if it had been a more open conversation, if it had been more widely accepted as today, then I think my whole experience in high school and thereafter would have been very different in a very positive way. So then I started to look into school counseling, went to get my um, graduate degree in that, love that work, love what I do in the schools. And then I realized that there's there's this other part of me because school counseling is very different than clinical counseling. School counseling, we're still working within a system. And of course that system has some say in what goes on and in the goals that are created for these students. Um, Some of them are really great goals and some of them just feel like we're ticking a box. Um, So for me, I was like, okay, I want to figure out what this whole clinical counseling thing was. and, And through my internship. When I was doing my graduate degree, I met some incredible people. My supervisor was just this amazing bright light um, that I really wanted to model after. And so that's where my decision to create my own business came from. It's still kind of, we're building the foundation around that. It's still quite, quite small, but I love every moment I work on it um, because when I get to sit and have conversations with these people and I feel on.
0: Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.
2: heard that they're letting me into their lives and they're telling me things that some of them are like, I have held this up for 20 plus years. I've never talked about this before. And I feel free now that I'm at least talking about it. That is something special. And, And for me, that really started to align with with yeah, this feels meaningful. This feels like important work. Um, this feels like I'm I'm making a change in the world that that I want to see happen. And so every little stepping stone, maybe not all of them were meant for me, but I was able to sit there and reflect on why do I not feel mm. great here? What it's it's an okay job or whatever, but why do I not feel satisfied? Or why do I not feel happy or joyful. And it's through those questions that I have finally found the balance between school counseling and clinical counseling that has really made my heart happy.
1: I love that. And I think that's such a great message for anyone listening that, you know, it's not about the right or wrong answer. It's about really listening to yourself. And if something Mm -hmm. does feel like it's missing, looking into that and finding, okay, where's that coming from? What's that telling me? What are some other options I can look at? How can I navigate this? Because if we just push that away, which, you know, a lot of us do do when, you know, you can have that feeling in your gut, but you just ignore it. It's going to become a bigger and bigger feeling over time. And it's going to lead to probably other, you know, unhealthy behaviors if you don't address it, because you're going to be overcompensating in other ways. So I think it's, you know, for anyone listening to this, I think it's a really good example because I know so many of our listeners are looking for you know ways to find um a new direction that they can go in. And hearing these messages really does help. So yeah, I think it's a very important thing to take in.
2: And I feel very grateful because my support system, not everyone has the support system I had, of I had people in my corner um encourage me to ask those questions. And I want to validate for a lot of people when they start asking those questions, because we are naturally curious people that are very self-reflective. Sometimes when we ask those questions and we ask them out loud, we're shut down very, very quickly of how could you even know, like, this is what you're meant to do, or what are you saying? That's crazy. You give up this success that you're seeing for something that to follow your heart and their eyes kind of roll at us. And so it shuts us up very, very quickly. It shuts down any meaningful conversation we have with ourselves because then we're just painted as silly or, oh yeah, that's just like, that's just a dream. It's something to dream about. It's not something to do. Or maybe I can have this as a hobby and not, and not my job. I hear that a lot of, oh, maybe I'll just incorporate it in another way. And so when I ask these people, like, is that going to satisfy your passion is that going to satisfy your values often the time is no
1: Mm.
2: but it is really really difficult to have those when we are when our support system isn't aligned with us is not willing to support that change that we think is meaningful
1: absolutely no that's yeah exactly that's a really really good point uh can you tell us a little bit more about your business and what that involves and you know what you're what you're building
0: yeah at
2: first my my vision was just to create this little you know counseling space hopefully one day have this physical space where it would be more of a balanced wellness center and that's definitely the dream of having this team of people that is mental health first and then of course bringing in that physical spiritual, everything else into it. Um, So we're talking about, uh, you know, massage, we're talking about somatic healing, we're talking about like, uh, IV drips, we're talking about all of those things coming together, but having that mental health, first and foremost, that would be the lens. Um, That's what we're hoping for right now. We're at the clinical part of that. And in having these conversations, like with people like yourself, that are these mental health kind of Um, experts or advocates what I'm noticing is I'm really liking this aspect of it too of meeting new people and having these conversations and and going out and and creating platforms where people can find ways to access mental health because not everyone can access those physical buildings it is an extremely expensive industry um, Mm -hmm. mental health right now And yes, we do have community resources and I'm so grateful that those are growing. Sometimes it feels so overwhelming. Finances, whether that's an obstacle or not, it can be so overwhelming looking at a system and going, where do I start? And so that's another pillar that I'd really like to add into, And that's why I've created the little Instagram page that I have of just let's open up a conversation that feels really accessible. You're in a space where people are here to just, find some answers or find some validation or find something in common with each other. And some of the conversations that I've had with people or I've seen being had, um, it really, really lifts my heart because it's, it's something that is so prevalent. And it's something that that we all need support in. I mean, counselors have counselors. We are human. We need people to talk to no matter how Many things we think we know or how much experience or training we've had, when things go wrong, we still need our support system. And so creating spaces or creating conversations where people can access, like this podcast that you've made, Nick, um, I find them very meaningful. Because when when we can't get into those physical buildings, whether it's a wait list or finances, we can turn to these places. And I think that's that's really, really powerful.
1: Thank you so much for supporting Move Your Mind. We're expanding the offerings of the organization and we're tailoring everything we do to suit you guys and to try and answer to all of your needs and the questions that you send in. The book is available globally. You can find all of the links at nickbrax.com slash book. Yeah, I love that point. And it, it is because there's it, mental health is such a complicated area and Every part of it's important, but there's also no one size fits all. And, you know, it is important to see a professional if you need that help. It's important to learn tools that you can, you know, use to manage yourself on a daily basis. It's important to have these conversations. There's so many levels, but like you're saying, it can be so overwhelming because there's so much information out there now, but often we don't know where to go, how to take that first step. Who do we listen to? Uh, mm-hmm. If we want to go and get help, if we're really needing professional help, it's often not affordable for so many people. Yeah, and that's a exactly. really big problem as well. So, uh, it, yeah, we need we need more people out there just spreading these messages, helping to, um, you know, I, I, I really believe the problem lies in how do we find sustainable solutions that are accessible to everyone? How mm-hmm. do you do that? And that's a very, you know, difficult, probably, Whole, we could record a whole podcast just on that topic. <laughs> um, yeah. but you know, that's yeah. the only way we can make change because not everyone, you know, can, has access to this, to the help that they, that they need.
2: Yeah. And not everyone is willing to go get that help for whatever reason. It can be really intimidating sitting with some, like or in my instance, some strange lady and telling all of your Your inner workings to them. I get that that can be really, really uncomfortable, especially if you have grown up in an environment where that was not okay and that was not safe. It can be really uncomfortable trying to do something like talk therapy. So sometimes just coming across a podcast or just coming across an Instagram page, and that resonates a little bit with what you're going through. You're willing to hear that and it becomes a, a space of validation where, yeah. oh, I'm not the only one going through this. Or okay, it's okay that I feel this way. Um, that development of self-awareness and perhaps they'll get to a space where they're ready to have a conversation or ready, and it's not always talk therapy. They're ready to go and have those conversations they have to have or get that support that they need from the community, go and start that new thing that they've been thinking about. Um and they just haven't had the courage to. So, yeah, I think these, these spaces are really, really helpful for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Well, we finish every episode with five closing questions. Before we go into that, are you able to share with our listeners uh, what you do to manage your own mental health and well-being? Do you have different things mm. you do on a daily basis or regularly that help you, you know, on a mental and physical level stay sort of stay healthy and stay um, in a good place?
2: Yeah, I am, a, uh, I am a massive introvert. And on top of that, I you give me a cup of tea and a blanket and I will stay curled up on the couch all day long. And I know this of myself. So the, the problem is we know movement is really, really important to our wellness, to our health. And so having a support system that knows me well enough to go, let's go outside in the sunshine and let's go for a walk. And once I'm out there, yes, it's an amazing, incredible experience. Mm. So getting out in the sunshine, Mm. it can be hard on the West Coast because we we get rain um, almost every other day. Right now, we've had a bit of a sunny streak. So trying to take advantage of that. Um, Talking to people in a very small circle. I don't have a lot of people that i will go and express everything to. But talking to people, I mean, having your own mental health expert or at least some sort of support system. That's what I try to do. Um, I'm one that if I'm overwhelmed, I will easily withdraw and I'll start to turtle. And so trying to catch myself when I do that and having conversations. So I don't go inside because that's a place where it becomes like an echo chamber yeah. and it's not a very healthy place to be. So that can be very, very helpful. Um, I am a Uh, definitely trying to manage people pleasing for myself. And so I find having a journal where I can just write out some things that are going on in my mind um, and how I'm feeling about myself and then crossing that out and reframing for myself, just a little space, like a written space can be really, really helpful um, when I feel, especially if if I've had a meeting with some really important people, um, I come out of that going, Oh, how did that go? What did I say? Did um, I come across the way I wanted to? So having a space to kind of debrief those social conversations, especially really, really important ones is super, super helpful. And again, just that balance of when I'm doing something for myself, doing it 100%. Mm. When I'm doing something professionally, doing that 100%. And that change has really made a massive difference in my feeling on my confidence and capacity to actually put all of these things that are really important that I want and actually have it be sustainable.
1: Yeah. No, so many, so many really great bits of advice in, in that. And where on the West coast. Are you just out of interest?
2: I am in just outside of Vancouver in Langley, British Columbia.
1: Oh, amazing. Well, yeah, Vancouver. So I lived in Vancouver for about two years and okay. Um, it's, I, I, it's so beautiful there. I loved it. I loved it. It's a, a beautiful yeah. part of the world.
2: You got the mountains, you got the ocean, you got the lakes that you can't, you can't complain. You can find anything for anyone here.
1: Really can. Yeah. No, it's a yeah. beautiful part of the world. Yeah. Um, okay. So final questions here. So the first one is what's the best childhood memory that comes to mind for you?
2: Oh, I love that. My the best childhood memory is honestly, um, I grew up in a house on Vancouver Island. And my favorite memory is going out with my sister on our bikes. My mom would always give us her watch and set it for however, however many hours. And we would just we live really close to a, um, a really big campsite and we would just take off and ride the roads. And in between there, we'd always have carrots and stuffed in our pockets to feed like the rabbits or whatever. Um, that is always a place I try to go back to when I need some restoration. Uh, So that is definitely a memory that holds a lot of meaning to me.
1: And Vancouver Island, such a beautiful part of the world. It's it's stunning.
2: Yes, it is.
1: What do you think is currently the biggest burden on mental health in society?
0: Mm.
2: I'm going to have to say social media. It's, it has so many, um, for so many reasons. The, I, I don't know how our youth population does it today with these devices in their hand that reminds them of all of the things they're missing out. Um, the, the fear of missing out for our youth is extraordinary and it is definitely impacting their ability to figure out who they are. I want to be this person. When I grew up there, there wasn't social media, um, cell phones were just becoming a thing. So any comparison you were doing, it was in real time and it was not with filtered photos. It was not, you didn't see the holidays that your friends went on. You only saw them when they were in a school. So it didn't feel like it was today. Um, that like the, the, the dopamine that we no longer produce naturally because of all of these apps that know exactly how to get it to release for us. Um, The addictions that we're seeing with devices, with video games, with chat, like everything. Um, So many different sectors of mental health has been impacted by social media. Yes, there are definitely Ways to use social media to our advantage, but that takes a lot of intention. And it usually comes out of our experience of not using it very well. So that would be, I think, the biggest burden right now on our mental health of trying to get, especially if we're talking preventative and we're talking about how to reach those youth populations, it's really hard to reach them when they are so engrossed in this life that they have online.
1: Yeah. No, I I couldn't agree more. And it's interesting, probably uh, I've asked this question over a hundred times on these episodes. And I would say 90% of the time people have said social media. Uh, It's, yeah, it's a pretty, pretty scary thing.
0: It is. Yeah.
1: What is your personal definition of happiness? Mm -hmm.
2: Happiness to me is a state that is always discoverable in the present moment, never in the future, never in the past. So if your mind is wandering anywhere, but here and now, chances are you're not going to find it. You might find excitement if you're looking forward to something. Um, Happiness, experiencing happiness, that state can only happen when you're fully present and again, that is a state that a lot of us have a really hard time being comfortable with. <clears throat> when we have grown up and we if we grow up in a lot of turmoil, a lot of chaos, being happy was a detriment because it make it allow it requires us to put our guard down. And when our guard is down and we're not in a safe environment, that's when bad things happen. So for those of you out there that when you start to feel happy and you notice yourself kind of tense up guard and waiting for the other shoe to drop, chances are you were made to feel at some point at a very significant part of your life to feel unsafe. Um, And that it's really tricky, but for me, happiness is being able to access that. And when we can, there's a lot of freedom that comes with it.
1: It's such, yes. So, so true. It's so true. And Yeah, I love the way you framed that and um, that helped me as well to think about that. So, yeah, I really love that answer. What are you most afraid of?
2: I think like a lot of people, I am most afraid of, of, of failure. I'm most afraid of not being able to fit everything in that I want to fit in. I'm running out of time. And I'm very aware of that. And I have to do a lot of work to catch myself when I go too far down that rabbit hole of, I have all of these really big ideas. And Mm. what if they don't all come together? Or what if um, it's met with a lot of of judgment? And I think I've done a lot of work around that judgment piece of, you know, what, this is meaningful to me, it doesn't have to be meaningful to you. But I have a lot of things that I want to do and I want to do them in a way that also um, respects my other goals related to family and all of these things. So that is my biggest fear of not having them all come to fruition.
1: Yeah, no, makes makes so much sense. And I'll, I'll probably have the same same sort of fear and issue to deal with. So yeah, <laughs> pretty common one.
2: In good company. Yeah,
1: yeah. Exactly. Well, final one, what are you most proud of?
2: Uh, I am most, I'm most proud of, you know, my own work. I am really proud of my own mental work that I've done. Um, when I look back on that really insecure version of myself, like when I was at my lowest point, probably in high school, um, to where I am now, I like, it would, it's a completely different person. And that took I know that took a lot of effort, a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really, really proud of that. And it's what I say, like whenever I'm sitting with a client and we have a moment and they go, oh, this has been so helpful. Thank you. I always remind them that I, I'm only here asking questions. I They are showing up and doing the work. And that is really, really the success that comes from any form of therapy is the person doing the work. Um, mm-hmm. And so I own that in my own journey and I'm really proud of the work that I've done.
1: I love that. Well, thank you so much for making the time. I've yeah, really enjoyed the conversation and I'm sure our me listeners too. will take a lot out of it. Yeah, thank you. And final thing, where where can we send our listeners if they want to learn more about you?
2: Uh, yeah, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, my handle is at apricotwellness. And you can also, if you're looking into um any resources or wanting to have a conversation you can find out more at my website website apricotintegratedwellness.com
1: great well we'll put those in the show notes and thank you again for making the time to have this conversation
2: thank you so much nick it was a pleasure it was really really great
1: really appreciated in this interview lauren explored the delicate balance between ambition and presence emphasising the need to be fully engaged in the moment while pursuing your goals. She shared her approach to maintaining efficiency and presence, highlighting the value of dedicating 100% focus to each task. Lauren advocates for prioritising quality experiences over quantity, reframing success as finding meaning and joy in the process. The conversation delves into the harmful aspects of comparison on social media and stresses the importance of authenticity. Lauren's journey from teaching to counselling underscores the significance of evaluating paths aligned with personal values and passions. Her vision for accessible mental health support and the power of open conversations resonate, emphasising the need for sustainable solutions to prioritise wellbeing. The interview showcases the significance of being present, forging connections and achieving personal growth. Thanks to Lauren Bariani for joining me today for Move Your Mind